0: Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. Hello and welcome to The Millionaire's. We're so happy to have Chris Miles joining us here today from Balmy, Utah. Uh, how are things looking in, on your side of the world there, Chris?
1: Nice and sunny, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it doesn't rain much here.
0: Yeah, very nice. And if we talked about the extremes or the up and down. We see a lot of that. When I'm in Cannes, I see a lot of the same thing. I guess it's better than the intense heat that you're seeing in some places right now.
1: That's for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, July and August is not my favorite time of year for sure when I'm out here, but we get to be spring or fall. It's like that perfect in-between temperature, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what we look for. Now, you do a, an awful lot, obviously, around money, right? So you talk about the times when you need to be in place and the times when you get to do other things. What are some of the things that people can do to free up some of the time and from your perspective, sort of money hacks to make sure that we're able to do all the things in our lives that we want to do?
1: Yeah, you know, like, it's really about looking at two things, right? You got to look at ways to generate more income, and you got to look at ways to control expenses. And I don't mean go cheap, like I don't mean like live on rice and beans and, you know, acting like you're broke, right? That's not the way to freedom, like nobody ever saves their way to wealth like that, you know, or becomes a cheap, you know, money miser, you know, (laughs) like, that just doesn't work in life, you know, and people end up hating you anyways, if you're to, to the extreme. So really, the, the best thing to do is is look at those two areas, right? So I mean, first, like even if you're looking at expenses, like the best thing to do is start tracking your money. I mean, that's always number one. And whenever I get any business owner that says, "Hey, I'm just too busy to track my money," I can assure you they're losing at least six, ten thousand a year plus, right? Mm-hmm. Because even if you, it's not about blowing money, in fact, a lot of times it's not. Most people I know don't blow money, right? Especially in our field of work. You know, people aren't really blowing money, but what they are doing is they're just, it's just slipping through their fingers, Mm. right? It's just, they don't know where it's going. And so, if you just start tracking your money, and I I recommend like, you know, in your practice, you know, if you're looking at your business, do use things like QuickBooks, of course. That's a great one to use. Another one used, but, you know, created by the same company is Mint. You know, Mint is a great one for your personal life. I've used that one for well over a decade. And, uh, you know, the nice thing is it automates. So it gets more and more intelligent as you use it to the point where it knows exactly what kind of expenses you have. So you just have to teach it and train it a little bit as, it go, as time goes on. And, uh, and I'll tell you, like anytime people start just tracking the money, watching it, they find that extra cash, right? They find that extra 6000 10000 or more a year right there. I had one person that seriously, she found an extra 5500 a month just by doing that.
0: Wow. What are some of the typical things that, you know, and I appreciate, yeah, thematically that that's what occurs, but what are some of the typical areas where, uh, you know, where some of that seepage is occurring?
1: Yeah, it depends. Like inside the business, a lot of it could be like a marketing expense, right? That's a big one. You know, also just, uh, you know, sometimes in how they deal with employees, you know, I had one client where uh, they were a, a doctor, you know, they had a practice there. And yeah, as I started looking at their numbers, I realized, man, you're like one of the lowest paid employees of your own company, of your own practice. You know, that shouldn't be the case. And then I looked at his personal life and it was kind of the same thing, right? Like he didn't have a lot of over, And I said, man, you're addicted to stuff and staff, you know, like, <laughs> mm. you know, you're buying stuff, you know, like he was buying assets. Like for example, he bought a real estate property, but it wasn't cash flowing. So it had equity in it, but it wasn't making him any money. It was making him a hundred bucks a month. At the same time, he had employees that weren't making him much money, but it made him feel good. I tell people all the time, like, don't fill your ego, fill your bank account, mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's so important to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, like uh, another one I see, you know, in, in the business, you know, like I said, besides marketing, of course, and some staff issues could be just, you know, are there ways to reduce subscriptions, memberships? You know, what are you paying on that front? You know, a lot of times people are paying for technology they don't even use anymore. On the personal side, you know, I see people a lot of times it could be food. You know, food's a very common one that people have, like not just eating out, although that's sometimes the case. That was the case of that lady with the 5,500. A lot of it was her eating out. But it could also be just you know just again not tracking it, not planning their you know their food properly, so they're just always buying reactively, right? You know, I had somebody else where you know even like cable TV, they're spending a couple hundred dollars a month for cable TV. I'm like, this, in this day and age of streaming, you don't need to spend more than like 20, 30 bucks a month. You pretty much can watch anything you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, why in the heck are you paying for that? Like, well, you know, it's the old you know, Comcast package I had or whatever. It's like, man, like those packages are stupid. Get rid of that. You know, you can do standalone internet for a lot cheaper, you know, and things like that. You know, other places just, you know, I see people that like taxes. Taxes is a huge one, especially mm-hmm. if you're in business. Almost every single time I see a business owner, they're overpaying in taxes. Sometimes even CPAs are overpaying their own taxes, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, for example, like uh, one strategy I've talked about with one business owner recently is you know, he was splitting his salary and his dividends, his owner draws, roughly about 50-50 is what his accountant was having him do. I told him, I said, listen, like that could actually go lower. I, like, I've like i seen so many cases where the IRS is even justified easily, you know, and I'm not an accountant, but I've seen it over the years and nobody is lost on this audit. Is like a 30%, you know, like a 30% salary versus 70% owner draw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, why is that so important? Well, the difference is that, owner draws, you don't pay the social security, right? You're not paying that 15.3% tax. So, you know, in his case where he was, you know, pulling out a total of about $400,000 a year, right? And that extra 20%, that's an extra 80,000 that he's not paying 15% tax on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's right there over 10,000 plus a year that he was overpaying just by changing a number. It's, it's not a that he has to do. His accountant just has to change the numbers, right? It's something simple like that. You know, paying your kids is another thing you do where you can, you know, pay your kids tax-free money and then use that for their education. Or you could use that for uh, helping them buy the normal expenses you're probably paying for anyways, you know, like their clothes and things of that nature. There's, you know, the Augusta rule. You know, the Augusta rule is a beautiful one because if you have a business where you, you know, where you can work out of your home, it doesn't mean that you don't have an office elsewhere. But if you have a home office that you're doing work out of as well, you know, you could one day a month start paying for the use of that office space. So say that you did that for just, you know, say you just charged a thousand bucks for a day's use, which, by the way, is pretty low. Generally, I just tell people in your area, look to see what a hotel would charge for a meeting space, for a meeting room, with Wi-Fi, with all the works, like everything, right? Because you've got all that access as well. You have all those amenities. So usually a thousand bucks a day is pretty low. You know, if you go to like a local Marriott or something, but uh, say it's a thousand bucks. Well, that thousand bucks, if you only did that one day a month. That's 12 days a year. That's 12,000 a year that you pay no taxes on. Now, I know some of the people are in Canada, some of the U.S. That's a U.S. rule I'm talking about right there specifically, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, but But the same principles apply. Like, from what you're saying, uh, and I hear you, Chris, it's it's actually, I mean, first of all, being aware of where the money's going, right? I think you're you're talking about the word audit, I guess, from a tax sense, but it's really doing an audit of everything you're doing and tracking. And you just cited, uh, I mean, a number of different areas where people are, you know, probably a lot of the times they're doing it to sort of, uh, they're on autopilot. And as a consequence, mm-hmm. they're actually not making the best decisions, right? So you can go in and have a look and obviously give them some tips or show them ways of perhaps doing it better, right?
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah. Another, another place I commonly see too is that, you know, and this one's a little bit more subtle, right? Is that many people have what I call, they have their money locked up in prison, mm-hmm. you know? So money's locked up in equity in your home. Money's locked up in the savings account. Money's locked up in your, Mutual funds, your retirement accounts, or whatever it might be, right? Whether you're in Canada with the RSPs, or your, you know, or your IRAs or 401ks in the US, mm-hmm. people got a lot of money locked up, and the problem is that many people have their money locked up, and sometimes in high risk areas or low returning areas. Like for example, your home equity pays you nothing, right? It gives you warm fuzzies at night, but it doesn't really do anything for you. And that's why when people tell me their net worth. And I've had several people, like when they come to me, they say, yeah, I've got three, $4 million net worth or sometimes $10 plus plus net worth. Mm-hmm. But then when I look at their, you know, the amount of passive income coming in, money that they don't have to work for every day. Right. And it shocks me where sometimes it's zero, you know, net worth is worthless in your life unless it actually leads to generating multiple streams of passive income. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's no more powerful way to work in your practice. Then work because you want to, not because you have to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so what are these what are some of these sources of, of passive income that are so powerful?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, like, you know, here's here's another little tip too. One thing I've noticed is that when a business owner doesn't have that stress, it's amazing how much more business they do, how much mm-hmm. their close ratios go up. Because when you're not stressed for money, when you're not, you don't need that client coming in. Because you know, hey, I'm fine whether I do this or not, but I know I can show up and serve these people and do a great work for them. It's amazing how many people are just drawn to you and you do less work for marketing and everything. So I'll just throw that out there. Just know that when you don't have the financial pressure of trying to hunt what you kill, right? You know, to hunt what you eat. It's amazing. So multiple streams of income, what are ways to do that? One, I mean, look for ways to do that in your practice. I know that can be limited depending on what you're doing because... You know, it's, I mean, if, if there's certain laws and, and regulations in place, you know, obviously you can't, you know, have a referral relationship with a business owner, for example, mm-hmm. certain businesses. Right. But I mean, there's a lot of businesses and, you know, JP, I know you like if you had an attorney that says, hey, I want to send people your way. You would probably say, hey, great. I've got a referral fee for you. Right. Since most business owners don't mind paying for those kind of leads. Well, that's the kind of thing that you could do. You can create joint ventures. You can actually become a referral source for things that you don't do. It might even be work that you don't want to do anyways. Uh, one of the most liberating things I learned within my business that freed me from the beginning before I started getting into other investments, right, was, you know, I was a financial advisor. I started out on that traditional mainstream path, realized that financial advisors are all broke. They're broker than you and I are, right? That's why they're called brokers. Brokers. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, man, like it's been proven like 30, 40 years and those guys still can't retire because their retirement accounts don't work and it doesn't work for their clients either. So anyways, like I was starting to break away from that. I was like, I'm never going to teach about money again. I'll just, you know, teach ballroom dancing at the local university and I'll be a mortgage broker. Right. Well, this is back in 2006. Well, when I was doing that, you know, I started to learn from these guys that already had become millionaires by their twenties and thirties, you know, in, in business and in real estate and things like that. And one of them asked me, he said, Chris, do you like being a mortgage broker? I said, you know, I like it, yeah, at least to get people the results, but I despise paperwork. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand dealing with the paperwork and the applications and the underwriting and people calling me at all hours of day, wondering if it's going to close after I just told them, give me three weeks, you know, and it's the next day they're calling, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that, that bugs me. And he said, well, why don't you find somebody who does like doing that? And I'll tell you, like when I was a financial advisor, when I was in a scarcity mindset, I never thought I could share commissions, right? I never thought I could split a deal. Mm -hmm. Well, that became kind of liberating. And so I found a guy. I didn't, I was shocked that anybody would want to do that stuff. But, you know, you find somebody who likes to be a nerd. You know, they're like, I just like to crunch the numbers or I like to, you know, do the paperwork and just be in my quiet space. And I found that guy and I said, Hey, would you split it 50 50? If I just send them to you, you don't have to sell them. Like they're already sold. You just have to, do it, you know, do all the work.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he, and he might be, well, it's interesting you say that because he might be the type that doesn't want to be, you know, doing the sales side of stuff, you know, maybe he, that's right. You say that t- there are all types. So it's interesting. Yeah. You find the right person. Cause so you obviously, it obviously worked out well, right. Or he decided, yes, it works, works for him as well.
1: It did. I like, got to the point where uh, before Tim Ferriss wrote, wrote the four hour work week, pretty soon I started having a four hour work week or less, even three hour, two hour work weeks, but I had more than enough money coming in to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Where before I was working like overtime hours, you know, I was working 40 plus hours a week doing the same thing. But when I was able to liberate myself from that, and then I realized I could do that with other business owners, even not in the financial field, right? Like I realized that I could do that with a wholesale jeweler, you know, that I bought my engagement ring from for a third of the cost of the, of the local jewelers. Right. So I, you know, people would say, yeah, I'm looking to get married. I'm like, buy the ring from this guy. Don't go to the mall or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the guy you want to talk to. And then they send me like a 5% cut, you know, and. And I became kind of a connector in that sense, you know, I just, it was something I did naturally. Anyways, I was always people looked for, you know, they're looking for solutions and all I had to do is provide solutions by often connecting with people that do things that I don't do or don't want to do.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So it's like another business, right? This is another source of income. I think as you, uh, I can see your philosophies like sourcing sources of income, right? So another way there is uh, as a connector. So uh, it's interesting because I work with a number of people that do just that. And I'm always wondering how they're getting paid. It's just, it's almost uh, just saying, here's a fee or here's what my fee is for making the, for providing that service?
1: Yeah, you just ask them. Now, that's the thing I never thought of. It took that guy to, you know, that kind of mentor to really put a light of fire and say, just ask them. Like, just ask them if they have a marketing fee or something like that, or a referral fee. Just ask them if they have something like that. And that's the thing I never did. I just assumed, assumed if I just sent them referrals, they'd send me referrals back, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But when I start saying, hey, listen, you know, do you have a referral fee? You know, and they may not, but most of the time, almost, I would say the vast majority of the time, somebody always says, yes, like, I'd rather pay a warrant for a warm lead than a cold lead from, you know, Google or something like that, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I so I refer to that as question.
1: residual yeah. income.
0: Oh, so okay. Residual income. Let's talk about that then.
1: Yeah. So residual income, I refer to as like passive income through business streams, right? It can even be you buying a franchise. You know, that's one thing that I've had a few clients do where they've bought, franchises where they might put a little bit of upfront work for the first couple months, but then they back off to maybe five hours or so a week managing it and making six figures a year off that. Right? You know that now, if you're in your practice, there's the thing, like if you don't have your practice set with systems in place, don't go venturing into other businesses, right? Like you just find ways to systematize your business first, get that just running like a well-oiled machine, mm-hmm. and then you can start venturing out. But man, there's so many opportunities there, obviously online type of education, things like that. I mean, there's, you know, products you can offer, there's monthly memberships. I mean, there's lots of things you can do on the residual income side of a business just within your own practice that you could create and create a lot of freedom within your own business right now without even having to invest any money outside of your business to start.
0: Yeah. So as you say, look to your own business, begin there. And then it's those types of, again, principles that uh, could be applied in other types of businesses, other ways. You've clearly done it for yourself. Mm Yep, You have some of these things. You want to speak to some of the things that you uh, offer as well as part of your, I guess, your expanding business.
1: Yeah, I mean, my business only had like two active income streams that I do, right? And then the rest were either residual or I have passive income streams through investments. So like I do, you know, consulting where I consult clients on how to basically get out of the rat race, like how to find, you know, create multiple streams of income so they work because they want to, not because they have to. So I have a consulting piece. And then I also have like a life insurance side of things, too, where I talk about this infinite banking concept, but different than a lot of the other concepts out there like that, where they're more insurance salesman based type stuff. I do it more where it's uh, catered to those that are more business owners and real estate investors, you know, like those that want to get the max ROI out of their cash.
0: So, I mean, yeah, so that's, mm -hmm. yeah, let's speak just a little bit more about that, because uh, obviously it's leveraging the asset, right?
1: It is. Yeah, absolutely. It's always leveraging the asset. Right. And uh, yeah, with life insurance, I mean, the the cool thing is and even in Canada, they have it, even though it's a little bit different, but they do have things you can do with that. But yeah, like, I mean, the ability to one, I mean, shelter your money from taxes, which is always nice. Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. that. But two, it's another way I can actually use as a what I call a supercharged, you know, tax free savings account. Right. Because in Canada you got a tax-free savings account, but here in the U.S. we don't have anything like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if we can get a much better return than you know here at point nothing (laughs) percent, and then with our savings accounts we're taxed at point nothing percent, you know, where life insurance, even if it just sat there, right, even as reserves, you know, as part of my emergency reserves, for example, you know, I'm making at least four or five percent a year tax-free on that money, you know, without any market risk or anything. Now the cool thing is I can leverage that asset with. Either the insurance company where they can lend me money, like a line of credit, where there's no minimum monthly payment, but they do charge you like 5% interest a year. Or I can even go to local banks, especially when I get above a certain dollar amount, If you get over a hundred thousand dollars, like here in the U S there's banks I can use where they'll give me loans at 3.25% while the insurance companies pay me like five and a half six 6%. Hmm. So the cool thing is like, yeah, I might be paying 3.25 or 5% of my money, but the insurance companies pay me more than that. And on top, ta- so I'm making money works. on my money, just by yeah. even when I'm borrowing it, I'm still making more money. And when I go and invest it, then I'm making money there too. And there's strategies you can use to actually minimize the interest you're being charged while maximizing the compound interest you're making. And it can usually add at least another 3 to 4% a year on top of whatever investment you're doing. or And that could be an investment even inside your own business or practice.
0: Yeah, it really is. Again, the way we began, look at where you are right now, do a sort of an audit and assessment of things. And then... I guess, next level is uh, implement strategies or start looking at strategies that can uh, allow you to really get ahead. Chris, Mm -hmm. obviously, you're well-versed in this and do this. And it's nice that, you you know, like me, you're able to do both Canada and U.S. If someone was interested in learning more or finding out a bit more about this, you've got a podcast as well. What are the best ways to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, the podcast is great. You can always look up the Chris Miles Money Show, whether it's on YouTube or on iTunes or whatnot. You can also go to our website, moneyripples.com.
0: That's great. stuff so for money, ripples.com. what else would we find there?
1: I've got a lot of my shows posted on my website. Uh, there's some blogs. Uh, there's even an ebook on there called Beyond Rice and Beans, Seven Secrets to Free Up Cash Today, where I talk about a lot of those ways to find money. On On average, for the average business owner, it's been about uh, $34,000 a year that you find just by implementing those strategies. It
0: really is quite marketable, isn't it? So uh, that's great stuff. We'll have all that in the show notes. And Chris, I appreciate you offering all that. Obviously, it's smart to look at the way you're doing things and then think about uh, ways of doing it better even on the go forward. If there's one thing that somebody was to implement today, you know, one change in their life they can make today that sort of carries them on uh, through, you know, through the rest of the, the week or, you know, the rest of the month, the rest of the year, they can make a big impact. What would that be, what would that thing be?
1: Yeah, I'd be, I would say look to see if where money's in prison. Right? Is it locked up in high-risk mutual funds and stocks and things like that? Is it locked up in equity in your home, especially with the appreciation's that been going on lately? You know, do you have that potential that's not working for you? You know, just like an attorney I talked to in San Diego just a few weeks ago. You know, he's got nine hundred thousand dollars sitting in cash. He's like, I don't want to put it in the market. I want to gamble it there. But what do I do with it? And I'm like, listen, that nine hundred thousand, we can get at least a 10, 12 percent rate of return on. That's about a hundred thousand dollars a year of passive income we can create. You know, like that would completely, I mean, we're not completely liberate him from his business, but within a few years, that would be able to get him to the point where he would work by choice. He wouldn't even have to actively work anymore if he didn't want to. He'd be a retired 42 year old, you know, by that point. So look to see where you have money in prison and see if we can unlock that. Get it out.
0: No, that's great stuff. I like it. you say having, having the money in prison so we don't feel like we ourselves are in prison, right? they are looking where the money is mm-hmm. in prison so we are not ourselves in prison. Chris, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us here today on The Millionaire's Lawyer. really appreciate it and look forward to the next time we get a chance to chat.
1: Such a pleasure. Thank you, JP.
0: Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmacavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.